Welcome to the Three Points Podcast. Uh, this week, I'm joined by myself, Ben Byford. Joined by yourself, okay. I don't know. Do I normally do that? <laughs> I don't know. Hello, I'm Tony. Uh, I'm also here. <laughs> um, we're also uh, sans uh, Mr. Waddington this week, uh, so Shakes is no longer here with us, and we have a replacement who is uh, Jonathan Byford. Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, Bringing up the pixel art fandom corner. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's basically the only reason you're here, to be honest. Yeah. So yeah. Um, Everybody else hates pixels. No, they they don't. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they were all um, octagonal, though. You know. Oh, don't get me started. Hexagonal. <laughs> Hexagonal. Oct- octagonal stop, just would stop. not tessellate. That would not work. Um, hexels. Hexels. Guys, what have we what have we been playing this week? Wow, jumping straight in. Uh, I have only really been playing one thing, but I've been playing quite a lot of it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's this game you might have heard of called Zelda what? Breath of the Wild. But uh, Tony, you only play obscure games. What's going on? <laughs> I I know. It's crazy. Uh, no, I had to buy... I had to. had to buy <laughs> a Switch. Yeah. Uh, because they finally fell to an acceptable price range. Um, and I picked up, of course, Zelda. Uh, what's which what's I've the been acceptable price range in uh, the States? Like $300. Okay. They weren't, they were really hard to get hold Well, they weren't really hard to get hold of. It's just they were in low supply and everyone was selling them for like $600, etc. cetera. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I was not keen on that. But no. Uh, it became available, and I picked it up, and I got Zelda. And then I also got some other games, but I've been mainly playing Zelda. And it'll be no surprise to anyone that it's really good, and I've been enjoying it a lot. And I'm not sure how much there is to talk about, seeing as it's probably yeah. the most discussed game this year, certainly, if not for a long time. Um, but it is very good. I've been enjoying it a lot. All of the stuff that people say about it is true. Uh I have been enjoying cooking things and stealthing it up, attacking some people, uh, rolling bombs down hills, nice. uh, little groups of bokoblins and all that kind of business. Um, I don't know. I, I obviously there's obviously I really like it. Obviously, it's really good. So I only the only things I have really to mention are my very small issues with it. Um, okay. Which is in no way a complaint about it. It's it's very good. The so one of the interesting comparisons that people have made, and when I say people, I specifically mean Idle Thumbs, uh, is comparing it to Far Cry 2, yeah. which has a lot of the same kind of open world, uh, chaotic systems interacting with each other type of thing. And I think it's fair to say that these systems are slightly less complex than you would get in something like Far Cry 2, in that the enemy AI is not incredibly smart Mm. uh to be honest with you after a while of attacking these camps of creatures you kind of you you kind of get to grips with the various things that you can do to aggro various you can draw away one or two of them by doing various things um they don't communicate very well with each other so one or two on one end of the camp will go will realize you're there and unless the guy with the horn realizes you're there the rest of them ignore the fact that two of their compatriots have just wandered off Mm. around the bushes to try and attack some random dude uh so yeah so that's possibly less rich than you might think um you do often end up especially if you encounter a group of dudes who are overpowered for you you can just back off and use your infinite supply of bombs to kind of very slowly pick them off which isn't 
particularly amusing, but it's probably the safest way to do things sometimes. Playing it safe, um, <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Uh, and actually, I, I, I was speaking to someone else who recently started playing it, and he has just avoided combat altogether because a lot of the time you can either stealth it around or just run to get through specific areas and stuff, and that's okay. a perfectly viable way to play the game. Which I do see as a strength, right? Because yeah. if you're interested in combat, you can you can level up and you can get all your good stuff. Um, or you know, if you're not interested in that, you can do more stealth-based things. And the only other thing I have to complain about is, again, it's a decision. Is that you can you can you can effectively craft meals, right? That give you mm. bonuses and they give you they give you back some health, but they also might give you. Uh, like there's a whole temperature system in the game, so you might craft a meal that gives you resistance to cold, so you can go into a particularly cold area, uh, or you can uh, makes you immune to certain types of attack, or it gives you some speed boost or whatever it happens to be. Right. And the the other side of this is your weapons, right? You can pick up different types of weapons and all that kind of stuff. And I had assumed. So this is really on me, but I had assumed that there would be at some point an introduction to like a smithing mechanic that would allow me to repair my weapons because mm. basically all your weapons and shields and arrows and bows, they all degrade over time. And so they break after a certain period of time. Yeah. And I, and I had assumed that, oh, I would find some person out there in the wild who would say, hey, I've like got an anvil. You can repair all your stuff. and And then it becomes a management game of like, Oh, I use this and then kind of get some understanding of when it's going to break and I can go back and repair it. But that isn't the case. And so things do just break, uh, yeah. apart from one or two special items in the game. So your big so... game is that it's sort of got an environmentally um, unfriendly ethos where things are just used up and thrown away <laughs> rather than fixing yeah. them. So it's this really yeah, massive like, this tip. Nintendo like, engaging with the consumable. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. exactly. No, I mean, I just, it, it was my my understanding of what I was doing was slightly off, basically. So I was expecting to kind of get some good weapons, look after them, and they would become my favorite weapons. And actually, you just have to accept that you need to switch out your weapons all the time. So you, you're kind of, you're dealing with some weak enemies, so you switch out to something rubbish that you don't care about. Uh, oh, here's a, here's a big dangerous person. I'll switch it out to get my really cool thing out again. But then once that's broken, you have to go back and not back, but you have to find somewhere else that has that or an enemy type that's going to drop that type of weapon for you again. So you become, basically, I had to learn to become way less attached to the things that I owned mm. in order to enjoy <laughs> that mechanic. <laughs> so it's either capitalism uh, or it's like Zen Buddhist. It's like life is going yeah. true. Just going to let it go. <laughs> is that one of the things that they kind of like present you with up front? Or is it something you just have to learn to endure the fact? I mean, it sounds like you've lamented the fact that <laughs> things break and it because it didn't tell you. It's like, ah, oh, that broke, but surely things won't break eventually because I'll be best. I'll be well, like, they, good they enough. Well, they do a good, <laughs> you know, they, they do a good job of telling you that things are going to break. It's just that I felt, and and this is totally on me. I mm. just I just had this thing in my head that. Oh well, later on they're going to introduce a mechanic where I can fix these things. Uh, John, have you played uh, Breath of the Wild? Uh, the news out of John. I have not played Breath of the Wild, but I have been playing the NES. Uh, I have played both Zelda. Um, 
God, what was the one on the SNES? <laughs> I went in, I got yeah, Link to the Past. I played that uh, for the first three or four dungeons, and I also played uh, the very first uh, one, which is just Legend of Zelda, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because um, I've been playing them with Jack, who is my son, who is six, and um, that took far so- too long. <laughs> We really, <laughs> it just grow up so fast. You should probably know okay, that. Fine, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we had a lot of fun playing those. I, I definitely, I definitely really enjoyed the, um, the kind of uh, wandering around it with no, you, you don't get any uh, help with the first one. And I think that's why people go back to it and say, mm. this is why this was good. It's hard. It's not, I think, I definitely think that what, Tony was saying about the combat in Breath of the Wild just reminds me of the combat in, I don't know, the last three. I think I played all of the last three. Uh, I didn't play Majora's Mask, but I played Skyward Sword and Twilight Princess. And anyway, uh, and it's just once you've got the hang of it, it's easy, isn't it? But it's not, I often think they're not for us in a way. I mean, they're nice. Mm. I enjoy them, but they're not. I just, um, when when it came out, I just got really excited about the f- and and then really annoyed that Below hasn't come out yet. <laughs> oh, so you're looking for like um, I guess when we're talking about the, the Idle Thumbs guys referring um, Breath of the Wild to something like one of those more grown up games. Um, yeah. Or- no, I I I I I just wanted to say that I I definitely don't think the combat is easy in Breath of the Wild. My point okay. is you can just okay. avoid it. Yeah, it's it's competitive. So the last Zelda game that I played was uh, Ocarina of Time, right? And the combat in Ocarina of Time makes this look like a complete cakewalk. Um, right. There are so many enemies who can just kill you with one blow okay. in this game, and you just end up going like, "Oh, I'm not going to bother doing this because this guy is way too powerful for me." Um, or that... you or you enjoy it and you go like, "Cool, I'm going to go and level up and get all yeah. that good stuff." I mean, I like um, my uh, the, uh, Ben, who I'm replacing, spent far too much time playing Dark Souls and running around in my pants, hacking away at <laughs> giant creatures that I couldn't possibly hope to murder. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's a certain achievement in that, for sure. Uh, but but um, I, did, <laughs> I, did, I did get to hold a Switch the other day, and it was okay. So that's the closest I've got. Nice. Okay. So that's, <laughs> they're definitely not going to phone you up anytime soon to give you a, a give them a quote. No, no John. one's giving me freebies. No. no. Um, if you'd like to have your uh, console endorsed by Jonathan Byford, then <laughs> try harder. <laughs> um... <laughs> Zing. I, I, I will. I, I will say on that note because I know that um, Ben, the other Ben, uh, was playing on the Wii U, uh, and I will say that the Switch itself is is lovely i think I've, okay. i mean i've really been enjoying the the fact that um I, I had some guests here recently and i couldn't due to the size limitations of our flat i couldn't really leave the tv on while they were attempting to get over their jet lag and being able to just lie in bed and play zelda in my hands and just immediately swap it back in it works it's everything it's cracked up to be it, that, okay. the way that the system works is really nice um and that kind of stuff and and I've been playing a bit of Mario Kart and sort of the other staples of the system and that all that stuff all works really nicely um, okay. with multiplayer and that kind of thing. It's just what you'd expect mm. from a Nintendo console, really. It's just nicely put together. So yeah, 
Nice. Uh, the Switch itself is cool. So what have other people been playing? Well, I have been playing um, a game which uh, Tony knows a lot about, and I don't know if you've seen it, John, um, called Subterfuge. No. Um, I've been getting back into it recently because um, I had uh, been playing it on my iOS phone, and uh, Tony first introduced me to the game, and it's probably my favorite strategy game of all time it's so good (laughs) (laughs) it's so good it's so hard as well um and the basic premise is you're playing uh, all online with other players and it's kind of like a resource management and attacking sort of of situation we have these outposts and you send subs um to other outposts which might be controlled by someone else and you have this finite resource, which is drillers, and you can make drillers, and you have to make mines, and that's all you have basically. Those like essentially, um, there's two types of outposts. You make mines, which is the third one. You have drillers, which both can mine or they can um, go off to take other players, and you either win by killing everyone on the map. Or you win by mining um, 200 of this substance, which is doesn't matter. Um, it's like... Nept- 200 victory points. Neptonian. Neptonian. Um, and it's it works really well. And the, the thing about it that is really interesting, that I think, is that it's played over about a week. So every now and then, you probably clock in like a couple of times a day and check how, how your subs are getting on how many drillers you got if someone's trying it's just recently sent some subs towards one of your bases can you defend against that um so it's this really it's a bit it's not chess but it's um it can be as long-winded as a game of chess but you're playing against 10 other people um chess is probably not a good (laughs) like the way you said ben is it's not like chess but it does have one of the worst aspects of chess (laughs) It's what that sounded like to me. It's a really long game, like chess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you play it slowly. Um, but yeah, so that's cool. It's like everything... It's not real time because it, there's nothing about it which is real, but it's it's the longest type game that I can remember playing. And it's a strategy game and I really like strategy games. Um, so check it out. And it, I think the other satisfying thing is that it's all humans. You're playing against humans and you get to chat to humans and... The way that you can win mostly revolves around ganging up with other players. If you don't talk to other players, you you probably been you shot yourself in the foot straight away and, and won't win. Um, and I've only won one one match out of a few now, um, so it's really hard as well um, to win. And I got I was in the lead for the whole game the other day and got stabbed in the back and uh, and eliminated and didn't get anything. So there you go. Um, yeah, so that's that's what I've got to say about that. Uh, check it out, Subterfuge is good. I don't know if I can verify it's good. It's very, it's, <laughs> it's very low stress. You can just, as, as Ben says, you can dip in and just. Oh, okay. uh, I, I would find that playing on my mind. I'd be lying in doing. <laughs> I could be doing it now. Like the only reason I go to sleep is because I know that I can't be doing the things I'm worrying about. <laughs> it's, it's true, but like because time ticks so slowly in the game, you check yeah, okay. back and almost nothing would have happened. So you you really have to spend like leave half okay. a day for it to make a difference. To be honest, um, I find myself uh, on my phone on my on the loo, but don't don't tell anyone. That's just modern life, man. Don't tell anyone. I'm on my phone on the loo. 
um, chatting to unknown people. Unknown Mr. Pink, people. Mr. Beige. Mrs. What are you doing? I'm I mean, some submarines on the toilet. Yeah, yeah it's weird. <laughs> it's fine. All of all of those ways of describing it make it sound worse worse than it actually is. <laughs> I think yeah. maybe just me playing it is bad. I think other people playing it's fine. Okay, yeah. I'll have a look. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, John, what have you been playing anything? Uh, I've mainly been trying to get my head around um, Pico Eight, um, which <laughs> is um, which I've been playing a lot of other people's games mm-hmm. um and there is um do we have, does so, the do pico 8 have like a theme tune when you open it up uh yeah it's like it's like the game boy it's bling or okay like cool i'll oh, put that in oh, oh no it never goes down does it that's not exciting oh. um so um it's really easy to make that noise on the pico 8 <laughs> so uh, the pico 8 um, <laughs> so pico 8 is a um is a fantasy console so it's like um it's like an an emulator for a console that never existed just right. um, as a, a background to it. And it's, <clears throat> and, and it's a uh, unique feature is that um, you can, by hitting escape twice out of any fantasy cartridge you might download, you can go straight into the code of mm-hmm. it and change it. Um, and it's limited. So you can only write uh eight and a half thousand tokens in the code and it's got a 128 by 128 pixel screen it's got 16 colors it's got um it's got quite an it's got quite a basic api and it's got a kind of uh a limited version of a uh, limited lua um yeah use i guess yeah um so i just to point out that i have very very little coding um knowledge and so i found it um very difficult and although um what's really good about it is that there are things like there are fanzines which i have duly downloaded and printed out so i've got them in <laughs> photocopied um and it, I, I found it quite difficult to get into because i don't have an experience so i've made pong you know and i've tried to make juicy pong by following some youtube tutorials and stuff um but some people have made phenomenally clever Mm. or you know anything's clever from my point of view but but some of it's like they made alone in the dark someone's made alone in the dark like a demake of it someone is making a demake of um uh what's the massive star game that the playstation 4 released with oh no um uh no no man's sky oh, so right. someone's doing a demake of no man's sky <laughs> there's um there is star fox someone's done star fox but there's also uh, and i can't remember what it's called off the top of my head that's really annoying anyway there's a there's a yeah. version of star fox that someone's made which looks wicked and it's nice very very similar but- kind of uh, it's only really impressive like if anyone's not heard of the Pico 8 I urge you to go and just google it quickly and look at the visuals because it's impressive because you have such a limited palette a limited um, amount of functions that it, it has natively that you can roll yeah. with it doesn't have any 3D stuff um, so people are basically like just building on top of it within this very small amount of memory that it rolls with mm. um, in this virtual machine and it's ridiculous and stupid, but awesome. <laughs> it's, kind of stupid. it's like, I'm going to do everything the hard way. Um, and 
it's it's I, I mean cool. in its favor the um the sprite editor is what you'd expect um but the the music editor is is quite good it's got quite mm. a lot of it's got quite a lot of noises and um, that are easily easily manipulated um so there is there are quite a lot of people just posting music they've made on pico 8 um there's a game that i played quite a lot uh, which I don't think was properly finished, but it was really fun. It was like um, it was a tower defense game. It was called mm. Underground, and there was this Minotaur guy on a chair in the middle of the screen, and then you've either got like a a little troll or a goblin, and the goblin can go around collecting the coins that the troll mines, and then um, wizards and knights and stuff come out of the earth and start attacking you. And so you've got to you've got to dig and ferry stuff back to the minotaur so that you can buy dragons and and stuff to guard your doors and it was really i really enjoyed it. I like, yeah. i've never really gone to a tower defense game but i really played this quite a lot so i would um i would find that one that's really fun nice um and there is one which is about punching hitler which is just so um brilliant and I, I've never seen anyone render a, a fascist in so few pixels. It's <laughs> unbelievable. So basically, the game is a platform game where there are loads of there's Hitler or a brown, you know, a brown Nazi, probably Hitler, eight pixels in the middle of the screen, and then there are all these fascists around him, and there are two doors, and you've got to get from one door, punch Hitler, and then get out of the other door without the fascists getting you. It's uh, it's so fun. So super fun, silly idea, um, really good. Nice. And just like, just lastly on the Pico, I, I thought it was interesting that there's a couple of guys that made a game called Celeste that if you get um, a pocket operator or you look at the features list on Pico 8, it's the kind of top one because it's a nice platform game and it's, it's easily manipulated. And they're actually releasing Celeste um, on... Uh, on bigger cons, you know, bigger consoles are in a fact much um, sexier with proper graphics right. and all this stuff. But they've mm-hmm. said that you'll be able to play the Pico 8 version of the game inside their, the the, mm-hmm. the game they've made. So I thought that was quite nice. Hmm. Groovy. Have you seen it? Sounds Penny? cool. I I have seen. I have been aware of the Pico 8 by people on Twitter sharing little gifts and stuff. So yeah, mm. I mean, the stuff that people are coming up with seems super impressive. And it and I think it's that thing where having quite a restricted environment is probably quite good in a way because it means you can't just go off the deep end and go like, well, I could make this crazy <laughs> 3D thing with you know, all this other stuff going on and multiplayer and local network, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it just gives you a kind of smaller canvas to work with and it's kind of amazing what people have managed to produce in that. The, the, the fake 3D stuff is, is, is kind of amazing to me because mm. that's... that's a period of history where just before we had true, well, true in inverted commas, 3D, uh, you know, Wolfenstein 3D is not truly 3D. It's this kind of pseudo, like all software raycasting stuff. And mm. that's clearly what people are using to do this kind of business in the Pico 8. And it's amazing that they're, they're coming up with, yeah, all this really cool things. Um, yeah, it looks, it looks great. And I should look at it more, but I don't have the time. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> when we were playing with it the other day, I nearly bottled myself because we couldn't make two-dimensional arrays for a grid. And I was like, oh my God, I can't make two-dimensional arrays. How are we going to do this? One dimension. Okay, skip over what? the next one. No. Nah, uh, 
the language just doesn't support it. Or yeah, yeah. Don't... The the Lua the, the, the version of Lua they're running doesn't have all the bells and whistles. Huh. So, um, oh, so you had to do a one one D array and yes. then just skip for every echo. Okay. Yes, yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah. So right. uh, if anyone, well, see, wants... this is good, Ben. You're, you're getting some good skills. This exactly. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't need two dimensional arrays anymore, or three dimensional, or four dimensional. <laughs> I just have to skip over things all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, do write us in if you That's want good. to know more about that, because I'll get Tony to write a uh, big document about skipping <laughs> arrays. Um, uh, but Lua is a programming language uh, which is usually used for scripting stuff. Um, so there's things like Cocos uses Lua, I think. Love 2D. Love. Yeah. Love 2D does, yeah. Um, yeah Corona. So a few a few um, games engines use Lua. Uh, Marmalade use Lua. Um, the, um, uh, just to say that Pico 8, uh, although it sounds like it should be freeware, isn't. It's $15. And there are there's a love Pico Love I think which is a version of Love which is free and it's got a slightly bigger screen resolution but um oh. I don't know. I, I I just good to know yeah 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 sweet it yeah. sounds like it should be free but um... I don't know. you don't have to pay for any of the games and the licensing for the games works that if you if you mm. make one you have to let people um, tear it apart basically nice. yeah I think which... that's what um, I liked when I was watching you play it with Jack. Um, because you play something and then you could escape it and go, oh, I'm just going to change this orange. Yeah, or, or you can you make know. the player a poo or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just much better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds good. Yeah. I, had, I did uh, re- re release every game. <laughs> well, I was playing Super Time Force again the other day, and there's Yay. that Squirty Harry, who's um, a brilliant, brilliant thought. Um, I've never. So I've played. Um, Super Time Force is one of my favorite games, and I'm so frustrated by it because it has like items to collect in the game, and I can't I can't get all the items on Super Hardcore, <laughs> and it's really infuriating. And like, I just uh, want to get hundred percent, and um, I've got like two levels left, so uh, that's life. Uh, game uh, life. life is hard. I know. This is um. It's quite odd. I, so I'm, I'm restricting my um, six-year-old son's video game intake um, in a strange way. In a, at the moment, I've said to him, "You can play one game," <laughs> um, because I think, um, like all these, like TV, the, the TV and and everything, it's like, oh, you can have any TV you want. And when we were kids, it was like, you have the TV that's on, and or you watch teletext if it's not on yet, you know, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and when and you just buy video games and you're like, uh, you you know, how many video games do you have? When we were kids, you had one and you played that to death and then you played the next one. So I've um, yeah. so I've yeah, said, never mind how bad it was. It's like, well, I have this now and it cost your yeah, parents yeah. an insane amount of money. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, he's been playing um, Pokemon Red on the Game Boy, uh, and he's been loving it, uh, and it's been really funny. And because he's been loving it, I've been um, love playing it a bit on an emulator and my uh and also our brother and law has been playing it everyone's like wow it's completely back into original pokemon and um being competitive about whose bulbasaur has got you know coolest stuff that's quite fun i, quite, <laughs> I, I yeah. kind of quite i had quite a good time i played the first four four gyms i think i had a good time because they're talking about putting one out for the Switch, there was a there was a statement the other day where they're going to put a full game, uh, a full Pokemon game out on the Switch from Mon- I can't remember what they're called, Monst- 
it's not Nintendo, is it? It's uh, Creature. Anyway, um, they said they were going to do it. Um, and I just thought, oh, it could be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would. as in, I mean, I don't know whether they showed any screenshots. Is it sticking no, to the same like, formula really, that they're... I, who knows? It's it's really early. It was like, oh, yeah, we've, we've said we'll do it. I've done some sketching. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, no, that sounds cool. I'd be interested in that. I haven't. Yeah. I, I think I've played a Pokemon game in a long time, but I do remember them fondly, and I think that they had, in my head at least, they were good. So. Well, it's collecting stuff, isn't cool. it? Making stuff better, collecting yeah. stuff. Not just. Yeah. Not just chucking stuff away when it's broken. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Pikachu. You've run out of health points in the bin. I don't have I don't have enough room to carry all of you, so I'm just going to leave you by the wayside here. <laughs> I guess I hope life works out well for you. Yeah. See you later. I wonder yeah. if you could microwave yeah. yourself, Pikachu, because I'm starving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it yeah. got us. It got us talking about black and white. Do you remember that game? I do remember black and white. How could? Why did you get talking oh, yeah. about that? Because we, because Jack, because Jack's six. Jack's like, oh yeah. If I was going to make Pokemon, it would be like this. And then what would? And then everything's going to be like reflexive. So it's like, so how would you make Pokemon better? And I was like, oh, if I, if it was, if it was me, I'd have one creature, and we wouldn't spend so much time, like going around. You'd have one. You'd concentrate on one creature. And then I remembered black and white and how that was. Uh, not not exactly that, but a bit bit like that. And then we mm. watched uh, the first ten minutes of it, and I remember at the time it was. I just remember it being brilliant and looking absolutely gorgeous, and uh, it doesn't anymore. No, time has <laughs> moved on. Technologies so, have moved on. I mean, it was awful. I couldn't even. I was like Jack. Let's let's just go to the supermarket. It's going to be more entertaining than this. It was sad. Oh. It felt sad. It felt sad. Yeah. Oh. I think I remember uh, reading an Edge uh, article about black oh. and white and just being like, oh, just, I want this game, but I don't have a computer that can run it. Yeah. And being so infuriated by that. I was like, oh, I can't even run this game. Um, and actually, I still feel similarly, actually. I don't have a computer that can run that many games still. <laughs> but... I thought for a minute you meant you don't have a computer that can run black and white right. still. Like, I'm no, pretty sure... I don't know, though. I don't know if my Mac can play it. I could give it a go. Was it Was it a Peter Molyneux game? Yeah. yeah. It was. It was. Molyneux. Yeah. Molyneux. Yeah. You have to say it with a, with a sad trombone, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not a rusty Aww. trombone. <laughs> <laughs> mandated yeah yeah uh well no i was i was on, along sort of well in the same ballpark uh talking about the pico8 stuff uh, i've been following along with interest the uh there is a reddit community called roguelike dev which as you can understand is of interest to me and is all about roguelike dev mm-hmm. and they have a summer of uh basically every week they i think all of the tutorials already exist but like week on week they're following this sort of step by step making a roguelike uh, using Python, but then there's loads of other people who are chiming in using different languages and different frameworks and right. kind of working through the different aspects of making a roguelike. And it's it's really interesting. I mean, obviously, I've been tempted to do it myself. I kind of missed the beginning. I may still catch up and try and do it in some way. But um, it's just been really interesting following along and watching all the different techniques that people are using. It very mm. quickly gets into... 
uh, all of the interesting stuff. So procedurally generating dungeons <gasps> and um, field of view algorithms for detecting, Ooh. you know, sort of as you're walking around, being able to see around, uh, not being able to see through walls, but casting light and shadows and that actually, kind of stuff. I actually genuinely incited, uh, excited by that, actually. Oh. It, it is it is really good, and people are sharing all these nice little nice. gifts of yeah, ASCII, yeah. Art, ASCII art dungeons and walking right. around with a torch and that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, exactly, Maybe. exactly. Uh, for people listening, Ben did a weird, weird hand kind signal of that and swavy. Yeah, it's sort of Ben's weird idea of how light works, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, I would highly recommend anyone who's interested in. A roguelikes, obviously, but B, it's again, it's a nice constrained environment for making games in where you're genuinely, generally not dealing with uh, lots of incredibly complex graphics, and a lot of them are still not tr true real time in the way that lots of classic roguelikes are not real time. Things only happen when you move, and everything moves in step, and so. It's it's constrained in many ways, but it's interesting to see the different ideas that people are coming up with. And obviously, the tutorial is kind of creating a very vanilla rogue experience, but people are already branching off and trying different things and different kind of forms of gameplay in it. So yeah, I just mm. thought it'd be worth mentioning, and uh, it's definitely worth taking a look. So that is at Reddit, uh, roguelike dev slash r. You know, you know how Reddit works. That thing they've got. Um, yeah, so that was pretty cool. See. And the only other thing I have to mention, which I will mention quickly, is uh, uh, again, it's not. It was this week made aware of a project called the Dark Mod, which is a a directly inspired by the original Thief, until recently was running on the open source Doom Three engine, and now is a standalone. I think it might still use Doom Three under the hood. I'm not sure, but you can just download it. You don't have to be running Doom 3 to get it to work. Mm. And effectively, it's a community of people making levels. It has a, a really slick looking built-in level editor. Uh, and people are making all these different levels for this essentially new take on the original Thief. And I was personally enormously excited by this because I love the original Thief. It's one of my favorite games ever. and I like stealth games in general, and I'm constantly frustrated by how they're implemented. Um, mm. And I, I have issues with all of them. Is it because you're actually a super spy that you're so frustrated with the implementation of these spy games? You're just like, I just that, wouldn't do it like that. Or like, oh, well, well just where's the paperwork? To... No one's doing any paperwork on this. No one's countersigned. This is. <laughs> this is totally unrealistic. No, uh, yes, I, that's absolutely it. But no, I mean, one of the things they, they've taken from the original Thief, which I have yet to see in many other games. I mean, so for people who are unaware, Thief was a relatively early on first-person view walking around doing stuff. And one of the nice things it had was you had a little bar in the bottom of the screen, and that was just a visual indication of how hidden you were. So, they, you know, it had... It was, fairly advanced for the time you had shadows and that kind of stuff and you could move through these levels and, and, and hide from people. And it was just a really nice way of handling the idea of how visible you are. Mm. Um, and if you made sound, people would hear you and all that good stuff. But so many times I find stealth games frustrating because about stealth is feeling really cool, right? Like to put it bluntly, it's like, oh, I'm going to 
I can hide here and these people don't see me and then I'm going to pull off some I can see where the guards are going and I'm going to pull off some cool heist maneuvers to to get around them and do the thing and get out safely and stuff. Yeah. And and so often it's not clear where exactly the boundaries of those like hidden areas or whatever lie and so you end up kind of futzing around with it. Um Ben you and I played or I watched you play a mm. bit of um volume I think it is the Mike Bithell game. <laughs> yeah. And 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 I maybe I maybe wrong on this but certainly the way i saw that game working was it was a little bit too fuzzy with the the kind of stealth aspect so you could kind of accidentally become visible and you weren't really sure why where exactly those boundaries lay right um and and anyway that's what i loved about the original thief this is really exciting to me and the tools to make levels look super uh accessible so it looks like something people could dive into without you know without any coding it's all kind mm. of a visual interface to drag and drop these things around it looks like a really cool project so i will be checking it out yeah. and be reporting back another time it was called dark that's mod. the dark mod. the dark, yeah. Mod. Yeah. dark mod what i find fascinating about yeah. that is like um a while back i saw open civ and open might might and magic and things like that and people going because it's a lot of work you know to make these things mm. And they've gone, well, we really love this and we're going to do this together and we're going to make it really good. And then we're just going to do it as a kind of like a occupational a hobbyist thing. And we don't expect anyone to like give us any money or anything. Just, um, Which is fascinating, I think, that these people are getting together and doing that um, and releasing it. Uh, so good on them. Yeah, that's what absolutely. I say. On a uh, on a, an appropriately retro and uh, lo-fi version of that, uh, I was made aware of a uh, SNES. Someone's hacked the the SNES version of Super uh, Super Mario World, um, so it operates like Mario uh, Maker, but just Super Mario World. Um, and that's, uh, I can't remember what it was called. So you can make your I'm own sure. Super Mario World levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's got they've made an interface, so you can make your own Super Mario World levels, and then. And play them as though it was Mario Maker without having to like jump through ring holes. If if this podcast actually gets listened to by lots of people eventually, and they come back to this episode of the podcast and they're listening right now, and they happen to remember from their childhood or from the internet somewhere that on the original, I think it was the Mega Drive, there was a way of playing Sonic but making your own Sonic levels. I was in a Dixon's once. And I was watching someone make their own Sonic levels, and it blew my mind. And I don't know. <laughs> I, I literally, to this day, I don't know how that was even possible. It could have been a what dream. What was going on? It wasn't. It might have been. Uh, it, it might even have been a Curry's and not a Dixon's. It might have been a Curry's. <laughs> <laughs> no! I mean, either Dixon's or Curry's dates us very specifically. And <laughs> if you're having dreams about being in either of them, then that's quite worrying. That's, but yeah. That was the problem with my dream that it was Curry's, not a Dixon. Yeah. Um, yeah, so to tell tell me if that was the true or not. I have lots of um, memories of Sega doing odd, very limited. I don't know whether it was just our experience of um, early Mega Drive, early uh, uh, Master System stuff, but it seemed to be like, oh, like I've never seen that before. Like yeah. you seem to be the only one who has that console with that thing happening on it, or I don't know. Maybe that's just bonkers yeah. anyway gimmicks and cool stuff again <laughs> gimmicks, gimmicks. <laughs> bah humbug 
<laughs> I was obviously always a Nintendo boy myself. But anyway, um, so we're going to, um, I think we're going to wrap it up, if that's okay. So thank you, guest Jonathan Williams Byfords of Byfordshire. Yeah, thank you. Board. It's um, been a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Tones. Big tone bot. No worries. Thanks for having me. Um, so you, you can find us at uh, Three Points Podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, and on the website. Um, I am Ben Byford, and I am Ben Byford on Twitter. And Tony is. I'm Tony. I'm Tiger Chops on Twitter. And John is. I'm Johnny Byford on Twitter. Sweet. Um, and we and will Johnny see Quiz you. on Instagram. Ooh. Quizical. Uh, um, so check us out and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.